Hairdressing, business, beauty, products, people, interviews, fitness, health, well-being. I'm Nathan Plumridge and welcome to Hair Life. Can you do me a favor? Hit the subscribe button or the share button wherever you can see it. Thank you. My guest on today's Hair Life is a multi-salon owner, a multi-award winner, and he is part of the new generation of forward-thinking salon owners who are challenging the norms by giving his team and his guests truly something different. Welcome to Hair Life, Joe Hemmings. How are you this morning? Yeah, very good, thank you. That's a great uh, intro, Nathan. Thank you for that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, do you know what, Joe? As I think, as obviously we, we spoke, you know, just before the recording, I um, there's so many things that I think you've done within your business which um, really feel exactly like we uh, we are at energy, and it's really lovely to find that. Um, I think there is a new generation of salon owners that are hitting the market that have almost been a little bit unheard because we've had all the kind of what I class as the big boys. And, and, and I think now there's a great opportunity for the, the new boys with some new thoughts to kind of hit the scene. So I've been, I've been following you for a little while and I've been seeing all the things that you're doing. Um, and first and foremost, I love it. And I love you guys to go and check out Joe on Instagram, go and see his quotes and his posts and that. Um, he's, always, uh, he's always up for his thoughts and his feelings uh, at that moment in time. Now, Joe, I want to find out about blogs. So how did, when did you create blogs? Where did blogs come from? Uh, so I started uh, back in 2010, uh, 13th of July, 2010, and um, sort of just naturally evolved, sort of just, just apprenticeship at school, doing A-levels, first of all, uh, then apprenticeships. And I was one of those people that was talked out of hedging by the career advisor at school because not seeing a great career. And I think probably ever since then, I had a bit of... Um, a bugbear, you know, to try and sort of prove people wrong that it can be a great career. And then um, worked at a couple of very good salons, did a bit of self-employed after that. I wanted to sort of get a feel for accounts, you know, paperwork, mm-hmm. and understand it from a very small point of view. And then opened my own salon, it went from there really. And that was just a bit of naivety in the time, sort of wanted my own shop um, and went for it and just learn a lot more lessons than I thought I was going to learn and how what, what it's really like straight away. Mm-hmm. And how was that? I mean, initially, you know, it's very scary when you suddenly like step into the world of having a business and ultimately, did you employ people straight away? I'd say, yeah, I, I actually had no one um, for the first year. I was on my own in the shop. Mm-hmm. So I'm not very happy with owing money in that sense. I literally worked flat out for the first year to pay off all my debts to set the salon up. So literally it was 12 hour days, six day weeks, just to clear off the debts and the overdraft and the loan. I then started to employ straight away and then went into it with um, apprentice, uh, stylist, and then grew it from that point. And what was that like? What was that first moment when you said, because I, I look back now and I think about how when me and my father started the business together and that first employee suddenly... Yeah my whole life changed. <laughs> it was just like, oh my God, right, I've got to really look after somebody else now. Yeah. So I am, um, my first employee was actually a lady called Maria. Now she actually was my very first boss and she was retired at the time. So I remember thinking, you know, I need someone who I completely trust, 
I understand how they work, great quality, all that kind of stuff. So I managed to, I phoned her up and I offered her the job over the phone, just part-time. It was great. And she was that sort of that uh, reassurance in the salon of how to sort of be, how to look after people. My dad also has been a huge part of my uh, business journey and uh, never involved in the business at all, but just like a, on the end of the phone. Mm-hmm. I remember I would phone him up probably 10 times a day, at least with issues, problems, how to talk to someone, how to deal with something. And um, I look by now, I like, cringe and I'm, I'm embarrassed for some of the stuff I was asking him, <laughs> but it's just, he was there, he was always there for me. And you know, I'll be up on the phone till one, two in the morning with him discussing problems, issues. And he's never been involved in hair world at all. He's, he's run and employed people himself in his business. And he's now retired now. So he always gave me great feedback, great honest advice. Um, majority of it came back to being, you know, be a good person mm-hmm. and, and go with the gut feeling. That's always been his two main sort of bits of advice. It's interesting because I was going to ask you like, who's been that inspiration? It totally sounds like it's been your father. In your, which is an amazing thing for his son because I mean I feel really fortunate that I spent 16 years working with my dad um and I had many in a crazy you know sort of many an argument but also many incredible moments and he was a very experienced man himself had multiple salons wow. and for me and it's, it sounds very similar that having that support that kind of structure that you could you could pick up the phone and call um changed a lot of things for your business well, I remember, I mean, when I was doing my A-levels and I was working a Saturday boy, sort of sweeping up, shampooing, teas and coffees. And I absolutely loved it. Like it was such, um, I love Saturday work. It was such a great fun. I remember sort of talking to my dad about my career after A-levels. And I grew up in a little village called Stone Eastern, where there's, there's nothing else around apart from, there's no bus stops, no local shops, a few farmyards and that kind of stuff. So to go to hairdressing was almost unheard of. And a lot of people were sort of trying to say, oh, you know, you're crazy, don't do it. You've got A-levels, do it. When my dad sit me down uh, for on, on a park bench for a good couple of hours and talking to me like one-to-one about the about being happy in, in yourself and actually doing what you love doing and forget what people think and all that kind of stuff. It was great. And he then took me around a couple of salons in Bristol himself. Really? With, with his son and said, um, my son's interested in hairdressing. Can I have a look around? And, I, and we're going back, what now? 20, 20 odd years and it was just sort of um refreshing as, as my dad have a dad doing that with, with me and absolutely brilliant you know if you loved it and i think from then onwards he's always been that end of a phone call me and him are really similar um and i think it looks wise personality wise everything really so i think he understands how i am how i how i feel sometimes without even me saying anything yeah and um i'm someone that understands you that in depth gives you great feedback sometimes huge a lot of stuff that you want to hear although you know that's been sometimes there has been you know it's really quite um some home truths but I, I trust his opinion and it's great to hear that but you really need that because that's the one thing i always look at it like for me it was always very much my dad was that calm yeah. he was that sort of rock i'd be the one with all the crazy ideas and i want to do this take it here my dad would be like whoa, whoa, whoa. just Take a minute. Let's just breathe. Okay. Is that the right thing to do right now? Yeah. 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 hundred yeah, yeah, you know, percent. And you need like, to cherish that. Honestly, like having lost my dad, like six years ago, okay. cherish that yeah. all those things, because I mean, you've obviously got children now. Yeah. 
You know, it's the learnings that I always think it's the learnings you get from them that you then pass on to your children, etc. It's you know? scary stuff. I sort of say stuff to my daughters. I think that's how my dad said it to me. And it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It, do, it doesn't matter. I think I think that's in a way that's kind of for me, it's what kind of keeps them alive is I can always kind of like hear that in the back of their brain. Well, that that sounds amazing. Your father's there. He's been the inspiration behind the business. Now, you've had the business. You've got two salons, is that correct? Yeah. So quite different in terms of their market. How do you try and find balance between those two salons? Because I think it's hard enough running one large business and you've obviously got one large city centre salon and then you've got another one that's just outside of the city yeah. centre. Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance that between sort of the two? Um, as in my time, mean, or, or as in... Yeah, across the board, because it's difficult. Yeah, yeah running I mean... salons. I've just about now um, got a balance on it, if I'm honest with you. It's, it's been a lot of, um, I didn't for years and years. And I mean, if my, if my, my girlfriend, my partner was here, she was saying something completely different. Um, <laughs> and, and thankfully, she's amazingly supportive and everything, you know, and she looks after the children majority of the times, and that frees me up to be with the business. Yeah. Um, I tend to, I mean, my working week tends to be Mondays is sort of my time, my day for sort of either, whether it's, my own personal development or uh, pushing myself for about two years ago, I started doing public speaking workshops mm-hmm. and myself on that. Cause I was always, I was terrified. I speak quite quickly, mumble, stutter, and I've always sort of pushed it off. So I started to work on myself. Um, Tuesday is a bit of a, a management day. So I try and be with both managers at some point of the day. Yeah. And both Wednesday is clientele from eight in the morning to eight at night. Wow. The Thursday is, once again, I'm, I'm free to be with my team. Friday with my daughters, uh, Saturday in the salon, and Sunday day off. Now, as only a recent thing, for, for a long time I was sort of juggling so many things and actually um, not really giving you all to anything. You're so stretched, you're not really happy anywhere. And I think it took probably COVID to actually realise that actually I'm happiest with my girls at home, like just enjoying them, seeing them grow up. Yeah. Um, and start to pass on you know jobs to other people in the, in the company and so is I, that has that been a relief to you because i would i i look at it and i'm 100 percent with you for me my family life is really important um because i think the one thing i think as hairdressing you know as hairdressers but also just as kind of salon owners you could work seven days a week and you you know you could fill up a column no problem at all mm-hmm. for me now it's all about number one it's kind of almost outsourcing yeah. the business to people i think you know as salon owners, we need to kind of get a grip on the fact that actually we have incredible people working for us. And actually your team want responsibility. And actually when you hand things over to them, you instantly give them that empowerment to, to make decisions and go forwards. And, and I think we sort of touched on it briefly earlier, but your business has grown as a result of that. Is that right? Huge. I mean, completely. And, and it's something that um, I hated doing and I didn't, well, not hated, that's the wrong word to say. I sort of, it wasn't something I naturally wanted to do because I was sort of from day one always had it myself. Mm-hmm. Always heard it, held all the strings, made all the decisions, and it was something that you just—it's my business, it's my way in a way. But actually, something I've really been aware of in the last few years is by as a wrong attitude to have uh, as a salon owner or business owner. I think full stop. And actually, having people alongside you in the business who make decisions that actually have, a, have an impact on the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hannah, who's my sort of um, people manager, she interviews, she recruits, and she offers jobs out. 
Um, brilliant. My, Ellie, who's my sort of my um, in charge of all the finances and, and the budgets, she literally, if I want to buy something for the business, I go through her first. Mm-hmm. She's in control of, of the money. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's how it should be, you know. It's sort of um, Maria, who does the education for us. I literally sit down there once a week and go through what's going on. And I trust what she says. She says it's not quite right. It's not quite working. What can we do? Let's change it. And it's something that I think to run a, a business successfully in, in a correct way where everyone's happy mm-hmm. and you're not just frazzled at all seams, you have to delegate. And, um, and you know, seeing my kids in the evenings. Um, and I, I do feel guilty, you know, because I leave the salon some days on a Tuesday and a Thursday at uh, four o'clock, say. I sort of maybe start at seven, eight in the morning and leave at four. I get home for them, dinner, bath and bed. And the girls are in bed by 7.30, quarter to eight. Mm-hmm. And the team's still working. And, and you do feel guilty. But my team do the same thing. You know, when they've got kids, yeah. they're at home doing dinner, bath. And there's no difference from me to my team. And I think if you want to have that real transparency, honesty in the company, what sort of works for me should work for them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it is that my managers can make decisions probably far better than I am. So I'm trying to juggle so many things in the air. Yeah. Uh, I'm always trying to sort of a little bit of that, a little bit of that, and we'll make it work somewhere. And that's the culture base. Yeah. You see, I know people, and it's really interesting because I mean, the, the guy I trained with, we just, we were chatting about this morning actually before the show. Um, Tom is ex-England, ex England, um, ex cheese rugby player, fantastic rugby player. And we and everything always reverted back to this culture. And it's always the one thing. And, and this whole series that we're doing and um, that you're part of is all about that kind of service and the things that we can do within our businesses to make change and be different. And interestingly for me, it always reverts back to the same thing. The one defining thing in your business will be that culture that you create and that you and your team create together because you can copy anything else. You can copy the interior, you can copy the marketing, you can do whatever, but you can't copy that. No. And, and, it, and it seems like even when you go through kind of your websites and see how you are, that's the one thing you seem to portray in everything. That's the, that's, that's my, that's what I do. So I was asked the other day by, by a client, a mate, who's a mate of mine, he was joking saying, I see you on Instagram doing this and doing that. And you cut hair now twice a week. What is your job? What do you actually do? And I was thinking, yeah, what do I do? <laughs> and, uh, it is literally being with the team, yeah. setting that culture, you know, leading by example, mm-hmm. um, having words with the people, uh, finding out people are okay, talking to them. And it, it is culture. Um, I know people say, like, what is culture? It's so hard to, to put your finger on it. And, and every salon is very different. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's just what people do in it every day without even thinking about it. You know, you don't need um, contracts written down to create culture. Mm-hmm. It's just what people, how they behave, what they believe in. Um, and I'm really passionate on that. And I, I want to I stand mm-hmm. on where a team, everyone is equal. You know, the apprentice is the same as the owner. Um, I'll do the bins, sweep the floors, and the apprentices right. can take, do a blow dryer, do a toner. We mm-hmm. try and mix it up as much as we can, so it's all a level playing field. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also people go through, you know, recently around the company, a couple of people have really some tough times to go through and, and everyone steps up, everyone yeah. helps them out. No one blames anyone. And there's that, that last minute sort of letdown of, of client column to move around. People on the day off come in, people stay late. And it's that sort of like, that to me actually means more than awards will ever will. Yeah, 100%. I, know I, I probably shouldn't say that with 
what we've won this year. But when I'm on the shop floor and I see my team stepping up, getting involved with everyone, loving each other, and actually the clientele happy, that to me is what I, I get a buzz from. And there's no better feeling in my career than when I, when I have that every day. No, 100%. And do you know the biggest interesting thing is about culture when people say about it? It doesn't matter which of the studies you look at. The biggest thing for culture is about safety. It is unbelievable. And it's it's one of those that within your unit, if you create an environment where your team is safe, yeah. that then enables your team to grow and grow and grow. And the biggest thing, Joe, and it's really interesting just hearing your point there when you say about somebody, say somebody has a, a bit of a tough time and exactly the same thing. Um, a team that has integrity and, and that's that kind of benchmark of a great culture is that somebody drops out, but somebody fills that gap and they keep, and they keep going in that direction. Um, there's so much of that, that I think you're part of that generation. I feel like our business is part of that generation. And it's something that I want us within the industry to oh, really start pushing. I mean, you said this about feeling safe. I mean, we've all worked for, well, I've worked for bosses in the past where you're terrified yeah, mistake, and you're going to get an absolute rollicking on the shop floor or in front of people. Yeah, and you don't get the best out of anybody in that situation. No, you get people want to be themselves and, and celebrate them being themselves and working how they want to work under an umbrella of a company where mm. actually everyone is individual, really, but they come together and work together, and that to me is great. And um, there's always um, there's always a book that I recommend. I can't recommend it enough. It's called Game Changers. Yep. And it's about the All Blacks. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. It is an absolutely yeah, well, yeah. insane book. It's one of those that I, I read it in, I think I read it in like 36 hours. I just, once I got on it, I was done. Um, I've hopefully got the uh, guy that wrote it coming on the show because mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's one of those books. That's, it's so straight talking. But actually, it focuses very much on that, that every single person supports everybody else. That gives the building blocks to a really strong team. What's the quote from that book? Is that, we probably could best can't say it, can we? Well, I, I did a podcast about it. It's called yeah, no, okay. okay, loud. Yeah, there you go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, when we say that, you laugh at everyone, but everyone knows what you mean. Yeah, but and actually, do you know what, Joe? It's my biggest show today. Yeah, is it really today? Yeah, no dickheads allowed. Yeah. And and honestly, it's controversial, yeah. but at the same time, it's so true because we we have that. Um, but I think that's okay. I think every business knows that, but it's just how you deal with it. I'm, I mean, I'm probably the team know me quite well now. They know me how 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 I work, how I behave. And if someone joins a company, I'm just going for recruitment push at the moment. We've got a lot of apprentices coming to us, sliders coming to us now, and. Um, the team members will tell an apprentice or a new, a new team member behind my back, sort of, don't do that again. If he sees you doing that, he won't like that. Yeah. And it's for you. And um, years ago when I first started, if someone behaved in a certain way that I didn't think was good for the team or very supportive for the team, you, you deal with it right there and then. Mm-hmm. You take him outside for a chat, yep. one-to-one in private. But you just ask them why that happened and, and why that's... And normally it's because in my last salon or my last boss, mm-hmm. and it's like, well... Forget that in here. We didn't, we didn't behave that way in here. We're a lot more sort of different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having those sort of those one-to-one chats, however awkward it is, and it is awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. You have to do it um, from day one on a really sort of like oh, unbelievable. It's interesting because I think this is that other bit. I mean, there's a few things that we're going to discuss here in a minute, but I think that's where it's changed as a, as a boss generally is that. Your role has changed so much. When you say about having less time on the floor, 
you're now spending more time actually working with the team and actually having those little tiny, like you said, little one-to-ones, you know, every month or every couple of weeks and just, you know, checking in on them and just, and just seeing where that at. And I think that's where the industry needs to start, you know, shifting, you know. So, so my managers do a lot of the appraisals, which is really sort of in-depth breaking down the uh, performance in like a, and almost making them think about their own column. How can they build it? What can they work on? Literally, but on a daily basis, I'll ask all my team members how they're getting on. Mm-hmm. How's, how's, your, how's your boyfriend? How's your mum? How's your partner? How's your, how's your children? And that's really what I, around both salons doing that. Just making sure, and you can sort of pick up things straight away. Yep. If um, their mum's poorly or mm-hmm. their boyfriend's going for a tough time at work. And the knock-on effect of that onto them is huge. We're all, yeah. we're all the same. You know, if I have problems at home or kids, partner, anything, I'm not quite right in myself. Mm-hmm. Then understanding our team are like that thing. So we can't expect them to perform at a certain level all the time. It's impossible. And if they are going through tough times or the family or challenges, which is just natural, we have to actually understand that and actually give them time and actually allow a little bit of imperfection you know just a sort of the human the normal yeah that's the safety element you know you're you're creating an incredibly safe culture uh which i love now joe what i started to look at you spoke you you mentioned it a minute ago but just going back a little bit is there any time you've had kind of like a low ebb you've had a low ebb in yourself or within the business but then something's inspired you to kind of get you out of that is there a moment that you can think of um uh, I've had one time actually, which which was it, it, for me, it, it really challenged me to the to the maximum. And actually, once again, it, it was either sort of I think just opening our second salon. Mm-hmm. Now um, there was a huge delay in the. I, I took on, I signed the lease, huge delay, and the unit was a brand spanking new unit. We had but we had water pouring through the ceiling and coming through the ground. And I signed the contract, and the developers of the building said, "That's yours now. Off you go." And they were refusing to put it right. So I had huge debts set up, uh, a wage bill from, I'd already recruited staff to work there. Mm-hmm. So I had a wage bill. We then found out we were pregnant. Well, we were, my partner was pregnant with our first child. <laughs> I was going to say, Jesus, yeah, you're worth a fortune. That's a huge moment in life, yeah. <laughs> my partner found out she was pregnant. And, um, I'm going to be your manager, mate, I tell you. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, and that was sort of, and all this happened at the same time. So I had about a two-year legal battle going on where the, the costs were just going through the roof. Wow. Um, it's it, Yeah, it was tens of thousands of pounds in total just going out in that period of time. My partner obviously went down to stop working. So one of the, my salary became the main salary. Yeah. But having now one sale not, not open, one sale not open, mm-hmm. the profits are gone. So literally had zero income. Um, we lived in a one-bedroom flat. So I was on the sofa sleeping for about a year, pretty much. Emily was in there. That's my, my young one here, mate. That's and right, uh, my partner was um, in the bedroom with, with her eldest to try and get some sleep for myself. And it actually was my, my, my daughter that gave me inspiration because she was, um, we had nothing. We had no, um, we had no, no money. Um, we had debts get some money going out on a weekly basis and it was the happiest I'd ever been funny enough mm-hmm. seeing seeing my daughter and being with her she didn't care at all you know she didn't um she didn't care about her dad having two salons 
She didn't care about fancy cars, flash dinners. All she wanted was her dad's one-to-one attention. Uh-huh. And it was that inspiration that actually made me think, right, there's more important things in life than this. Let's just... I've been on the phone with my dad numerous times saying, Dad, I, I can't do it. I want to pack it in. I'll, I'll close the salon down, go back to one salon. And I, I'm not... I was quite embarrassed by saying that for quite a long time. I'm not embarrassed anymore because it, it was that sort of reality check of, can I do this? I, I pushed myself to this limit and, and it's coming into a bit, a bit of a brick wall here. Yeah. Can I do it or can I not do it? And actually numerous times of talking through him and obviously the developers are still saying, no, we see you in court and the court bills and, and the legal fees were going through the roof. And you're thinking, just stop that, leave it alone and, and carry on. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself, um, no, you know, I want to be able to be around with my, my daughter. If I have what I've got now, I've still got to work a lot of hours to actually provide for her. Yeah. I actually do want to be at home with her, doing the school drop-off, being at sports days, that kind of thing. And it's not about the flash lifestyle, it's about being at home with her mm-hmm. and still paying your bills to live. And it was that that really triggered me into, you know, just get through it. Like, I remember Emily, my partner, super supportive. She's not interested in like all the flash stuff in life. She wants to just be happy, healthy, and loved. And that's all she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big reality check for me at that point, was actually that before that moment, unfortunately, I really got into the world of um, being a bit greedy and probably not being the, the good employer or the boss that I should have been. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was all about me a little bit. I, I you know, and um, I did have fancy dinners, drive the flash cars, thinking that made me happy. But actually, in that moment of that real crunch time, I really assessed, no, that is nothing. What, re- what relative happiness is, is, you know, making sure your team are happy, making sure I'm happy, my family's happy. Mm-hmm. And that was what really changed my entire mindset of, uh, could have gone one of two ways. I could have either lost everything. Yeah. I could have, my house is tied to the flat, to, to the salons. So, I mean, I actually, I actually remortgaged the flat without telling Emily, my partner. And I, you know, that was scary. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid of me really in the hindsight, but we had no kids at the time. Mm-hmm. Now I've got children. I would never do that. And I think, um, I got carried away with being busy, successful, earning money, um, or a second salon, look at me, all that all that stuff. And um, yeah, I came crashing down literally in a short space of time. But isn't it amazing how that moment looking at your daughter? Yeah. Happy, healthy, yeah. and loved. I, I literally- Three, three incredible yeah. things that you sit there and actually- yeah you suddenly realize all these things that we ultimately have it's all material yeah you know and it's like it makes you feel like you know ultimately all those things you said it makes you feel good for like you know a week or a couple of weeks whatever and then it dissipates and it's gone well, i remember i, I bought a, a flash car i didn't tell my dad didn't tell anyone i went to the garage picked it up myself came home showed my partner and she was like oh okay <laughs> fair enough uh, did she i went to see my dad with it about half an hour drive see my dad said, Dad, look at this. I bought myself a new car. And he gave me a hug and said, well done, son. And then he said to me, just remember, a new car smell will not last forever. No. I thought, yeah, he's completely shot me down as well. Within sort of like... <laughs> see, good old dad. You but see. I mean, it's funny. So with my daughter, now, now so my daughter, um, when, when I remember the moment absolutely crystal clear that I was, I was holding her and it all dawned on me. Yeah. She was actually... So she, she was born and diagnosed as deaf at birth. 
really not really publicly i mean everyone around me knows this but that's that's it and so it really makes you reevaluate your life thinking crikey i've got to learn sign language i've got to learn this and this and this as it's sort of gone on and on she's actually got um well she's in a specialist school so it's, it's a lot more um the children have got all sorts of difficulties mm-hmm. from learning to physical everything yeah and it really hits home how how lucky we are in life mm-hmm. just to have simple things and you look at these these some of these children who have got really life-threatening and life sort of changing um issues mm-hmm. and we're moaning about having whatever you know we should be just just embrace everything And again, it's interesting, you see, for me, I think that was one of the things that I thought was really going to happen. And this is from an inspirational perspective. I thought was really going to happen when we had lockdown and all these other things. I thought people would come out of it and they would all be like, right, we're going to change everything. Life's going to be like different. And actually, I get times now and I think people have almost kind of gone back. The other way, like it's kind of got worse. I agree. And that's the bit that I, I, I'm really trying to shout out more is I'm a bit like, guys, we need to just take a step back a little bit and actually realize those little moments, all those things that we have, it's all material. It doesn't mean anything when we're dead. Actually, the time. And again, this is the great thing about achieving balance, like in your business, in your personal life. When you have that, the one thing I thought, look, I, I always want a lot of people to really, and if you're listening to this, I really want you to, to get hold of it. The thing about money is actually when you achieve kind of balance, money comes because actually what happened as a result of it, you're just happier. And then what happens is because you're not chasing it, it just it just starts to kind of suddenly like creep in. And it's, it's something I witness like all the time. Every time I've tried to come up with something and I go into it like a nut job. Yeah. Actually, if I just take a step back and slowly do it, slowly... You know, good things happen. I think you've hit some valid, really good, important points. So during COVID and just after lockdown, everyone was like, "I want to have a more of a work-life balance and slow down." And I think with sort of the cost of living rising and everyone's sort of getting really pressured and stressed out, everyone's sort of gone to overdrive of money, money, money. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you have to have money to pay bills because if if you have stress, financial stress is one of the worst. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the worst thing. But I think. Um, it doesn't make you happy, no. And I think I'm absolute testament to that. Um, and like I say, I think also in hairdressing, being a service industry, mm-hmm. you can't chase money at all. No. You, you can't cut costs for the service. No. And you have to pay your team well and have good stock and good products and a nice environment. You have to offer all of that stuff and just look at the long game. Play the long game and a regular clientele, you rebook, um, will make you the money long-term. Mm-hmm. And that's what... And it's, you're dead right. And that's the one thing I think where's that, where there's that shift. Because I always think it's such a hard industry to what I class as make, what I class as proper money. Yeah. You know, yeah. proper money. But actually what I always think you can do is you can have an incredible... It's, because it's... I hate the word, like a lifestyle industry. But actually, it doesn't matter whichever study you look at. People in this environment are generally the happiest people across the board, generally. And it's interesting. I called... Um, we called the team out about it a little while ago. And I said, it's because technically, Jay, do you know what we are? We're drug addicts, right? Because every 45 minutes or every hour, we get a little hit of dopamine. Yeah. 
because we make somebody feel good and they walk out the door and every hour they get this little, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, I've made somebody look good. I've made somebody look good. And that's what it is about the industry. And that's the thing that I think I always want people to really understand is there's very few careers like hairdressing where you can do that consistently. And that ultimately is one of the hardest things I've found about getting off the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I've realized that that's my addiction is actually being on the floor and having those relationships with my guests is the hardest thing to walk away from. But actually doing what you're doing and exactly what I'm doing is now being in the salon and being around chatting to those guests. You, you get the same thing. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. It's it's different. It's it's, it's, it's a shift. Yeah. Sort of like understand. I think that if you want the balance yourself and you have to make that switch Mm -hmm. and actually just trust it'll be okay. You know, and sort of just just go with it. Now I have this thing. So, Joe, what I love about you already is I feel like I could spend hours chatting to you because I think there's lots of stuff that we can always really cover. Now you've had the business here. You've had one salon for five years, one for ten years. Yeah, twelve years. Yeah, twelve years. Yeah, so twelve years in total. Yeah. Yep. So in that time, I would say you're now in that path of incredible. You're doing. You're successful. What's been like a key thing? What would be like a moment that you look at and you go, do you know what? That, that's been the defining bit for where it's getting me now. Um, when I, the true, ha- true growth of the business and happiness started really mm-hmm. when I let go of the control. Right. Love that. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's, I, it absolutely. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. I love that because I think, and it's interesting, what I love about that, it's just so simple, is that I think every salon owner, and this is beauty, fitness, you know, it doesn't matter on any level. You cannot be continuously in it, in it, in it, in it. You've got to take a step back. Yeah, let's also put ourselves on our team situation. I mean, I I think about myself over the years and you've got so many things to do, so many plates spinning in the air, Mm -hmm. column of clients, um, and you're going to work already stressed out because you're behind your to-do list sort of thing. And then a team member asks you for a quick chat and you're like, oh no, I can't, I'm busy today. And you mm-hmm. put it off and we've all been there as sound owners and it's just a wrong message to give your team. Yep. And that your team then start questioning, is he okay? Is it something I've done wrong? Start question- then they start questioning their own person. And then it just spirals out of control. So I think by letting go of the control and having more time, everyone's happier in the company. Yeah. No one's second guessing what the boss is feeling, or how they're feeling, what's going on. It's sort of just you can explain you're going through a tough time, or, or um, I start to realize myself sometimes that if I've had a really poor night's sleep with the kids and I'm a bit tired in the morning, or say I'm doing a VAT return or, or wage day, pay, pay the bills, I'll, I'll sit, rather than being in my office, locking the door and away on, my, on myself, I'll go in the salon first of all and talk to everyone and say, Look, I've got things to do today. I'll be in my office, nothing personal. Just to get stuff done, or I'm tired with the kids. Look, give me a break today. And I think just having that, letting the team know how you're feeling, mm-hmm. sort of puts them at ease straight away. You shared, than- you shared, you shared, you shared, you shared that. And I think you, can, I don't think you can be like a closed book anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where you know industry across the board is changing. You know, I think bosses, you've got to be, you've got to be part of that team. Yeah. Because the hardest thing about the industry for, for most people is you get so many salon owners who have basically been on the floor cutting hair. And then what happens? They end up being a stylist that suddenly takes over a salon. Yeah. And that's the general path for most people. Yeah. And then what happens is that 
they suddenly transition from being day-to-day cutting hair and they don't really have any business experience no suddenly they've got a team of people to look after yeah that's where it changes which is why so many salons go pop 100 and also I mean, let's be realistic running a business is hard work bloody it is jesus it, it's really and, and people think that it's it's fun it's creative it's exciting it's happy it's it's a business it's black and white of money in money out mm-hmm. uh, and you're managing and you're employing team and there's challenges and it is extremely tough sometimes and yep. it's okay it's okay to, to feel that way it's okay to say that yeah i think one of the days where you've got to try and be um the person that knows everything and sort of like i'm okay it's tough but i'll get on with it you know it's actually no it's okay to say this is t- we're struggling here this yeah. is we're going through a bit of a tricky time and i do have it in my business you know we go for ups and downs and um it looks great from the outside world on, on social media and awards and that kind of stuff but nuts and bolts on a daily basis it's challenging there are sort of um good days bad days and it's okay to have that it really is and that's interesting because that's one of them for me where i always think if there's somebody listening to this show who's a salon owner that's struggling to find that kind of little bit of inspiration somewhere what would be something that you would kind of suggest to them to do um to do poorly yeah. Um. To 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 understand it's okay. Yeah. To, to understand it's um. It's okay to go through tough times. To feel to feel down. To feel low. Um. That's perfectly normal. Uh, and I, I find when I'm in those times myself, you have to just to, to ride it out. Go to go back to basics. Mm-hmm. And now for me personally, the basics are being with my team and being with the clients. Mm-hmm. that's where I feel happiest and most comfortable. So when I am feeling or having a challenging time or um, I actually had a, a bill come through recently, um, which was six grand I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. And it hit me for six and crikey, that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah, going from nowhere. And it is um, actually an issue with it. It's actually, I've not got to pay it. I've got to the bottom of it. But at that time, I thought, God, this is really right. I'm, I'm panicking here. I'm anxious. I'm worried. Back to basics. Mm-hmm. Get on the stand on floor. Talk to my team. Talk to the clients, and I'm also push it away a little bit until I'm ready to deal with it. And then when I'm actually in the right headspace, yeah, I can actually get my teeth into it rather than trying to sort of juggle everything and be stressed out about it. So I mean, do you have um? Do you have um? I have what I class as like my my favorite five. I have quite a close net group. Yep, of people that I like to call up, and sometimes asking that question. And and put things out to them. Do you do you've had a bit, have anyone kind of like that? Yeah, I do. So I, I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got um, when it comes down to really serious uh, business challenges or issues, I'll try not to talk to a partner about it at home. I try and keep that completely just separate it. Yeah, yeah, because it's not fair on her either, um, or the kids and that kind of stuff. I mean, my dad is still on that list every every time. Um, there's a guy called Simon Shaw who I yeah. um who I used, I talked to quite a lot. I started working with him for presentation skills, mm-hmm. but now it's more um, friends, I'll call it that. And it's like, a, give him a call and talk things through. Mm-hmm. I've also got another friend of mine who, um, he actually is in Manchester and uh, he's a he's a real um, good friend. You know, if you gave him a call now and said, Ryan, I need you, he'll be here within three hours, whatever, he's would. And, um, I'll give him a call and talk to him. 
and he's in business, very different business. Mm-hmm. But he understands it. That's and, what um, yeah, and he would just uh, wouldn't give you his opinion, wouldn't give you his thoughts, wouldn't judge you. He would just listen to you, um, ask you questions, and normally you would come to the answers yourself, mm-hmm. and no judgment at all. And I think that's crucial, the no judgment bit. Yep. You have people around you that you can tell anything to, mistakes you've made, how you how you behave, anything. They won't judge you for it. It's an interesting thing with coaching, because for me, this is the area that I'm, I suppose I feel like we're going to go into more and more and more. But actually, the biggest thing like with coaching is most of the time, you just need to be able to talk. Because actually, you ultimately probably have all the answers kind of there. But actually, what you're doing is you just need to be able to get it off first and, and vocalize it. Yeah. And actually, once you kind of vocalize it, you suddenly go, oh, yeah. actually, OK. I get so many times when I walk around and then thank God I walk around with headphones on because I think people would think I was crazy. But I have to speak things out yeah. and I might be going for a walk. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just talking to myself. Yeah, 100%. But you you get the best answers that way. Yeah. you know or it's like journaling do you have do you have like journals like no, you know i use voice notes on my phone voice notes yeah brilliant i'll go for a dog walk with my dog in the evening yeah my headphones in same as you yeah i like rambling and just talking thoughts through yeah um, yeah the next uh, the next day back i'll play the next day back yeah well that's that's it right there i said it i love it and that's exactly what it is and there's and there it is now joe it sounds like you've had you know you've been through some challenges you've had moments that you've dealt with what would what does the word fearless like mean to you as a business owner? Um, going for it. Going for it. Yep. That's it. Um, yeah. That'll be it. Fearless. Yeah. I mean, I am, I am less fearless now. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, the business is going to be, well, I'll expand the business in 2024. Yeah. I'm putting plans in place for that now. Um, and I need to be, um, mentally in, in a space where I could be fearless again mm-hmm. and by that I mean literally all out leave leave nothing leave nothing in the tank yeah and that is yeah that's that's investment financially hours working wise all in and that's good that you're preparing for that yeah because I think that's the thing for me I think sometimes being fearless is is when something stands in your way it doesn't matter what is in your way you're just going to be able to go over it, around it, under it. It doesn't make any difference. You know, that's another great book. You know, the obstacles in the way, another great yeah. book, you know. Um, and I think that's the thing for me is that when something is back front in front of you, it doesn't matter. You're just going to I mean, deal with it. If I even go back to, to this, I mean, going back two years, I never would have been sat doing this ever. Yeah. It would have been a straightforward no. Yeah. Um, Instagram, talking to a phone, forget it. Um I mean, I remember the first time I ever actually won an award, I got on stage and handed the mic to somebody else. There was no way public speaking I was ever going to do it. Yeah. So even being fearless in, in myself doing this, is it just all in, go for it, you know? And if I love that. I can't do it, if I make a mistake, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I can accept that. And um, I always sort of think also myself with business and anything I do in life, I always think if worst came to worst and um something happened and the business closed down whatever if it's through my own decisions and my own sort of being gambling or fearless and going for it yeah i can accept that because i've gone for it and i'm okay with that or if i try and do public speaking and i, and I go it's awful 
I'm okay with that because I've, I've pushed myself to that level. That level. Yep. You've given it. Yeah. If things happen, they're out of my control. That, that stops me doing it or, or whatever happens. I can't accept that. That's it. And I just it doesn't sit well with me at all. No, not at all. And I can, I can totally see that. It's, um, it's always interesting because for me, I think based in the industry that we do each and every day, I'm also really inspired by the, the kind of the learnings that I have each and every day. And I, d- I don't know how old you are, Joe. I'm 45. And I'm 39. Yeah. Right, there you are. You see. Yeah, February. And yeah. I, I feel one of the best things about this industry as well, generally, is that I learn so much from my guests being on the floor. I get, I get so many snippets and so many takeaways. But also, I think you mentioned it earlier, I always look back to even the kind of a grieving process that I have with my dad. My counselling almost came from my guests. Yeah, yeah. We spoke about it. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things that, again, I always really cherish. I cherish those moments that we have on this floor each and every day. It is so true, actually, that is. I mean, it's um, our, our guests tell us everything we need to know. Yeah. About the business, changes, improvements, our life. I mean, how many of my clients tell me if on, on like a Wednesday, they might say, are you okay? Yeah. You, you look tired. You look stressed out. Are you all right? What's going on? <laughs> and clients pick it up, you know, and you think, oh. So they are a great source of, of our knowledge, of accounting, everything. They really are. Yeah. On every single level. Well, Joe, I always feel like I could, I mean, there's a whole list of things that I've got here and I write notes as I go through. So in, in, if anybody's listening, they know that I write notes. <laughs> and I do like this thing on some of the shows where I ask, I class my like final five little questions and they're quite quick fire. Yeah. I always like them because they're nice things to finish on. What's the biggest thing you think you've learned in the last 12 months? Wow, um, quick fire! I should be quicker. I should be quicker. <laughs> we'll do that again. Let's start again. Well, I've got the gap in for anybody listening. <laughs> Joe's just left the room to make a cup of tea. Uh, things I've learned in the last twelve months is yeah. simply um, listen to my team. Yeah, that's it. Literally, uh, put the team first. Listen to the team, hundred percent. I love that. Uh, let's go with. I do this. I just pick them out. So I hope you don't mind. Pick one. Um, What's been the favorite piece of advice that you've had? And is there a worst piece of advice you had that you haven't listened to? Uh, worst piece of advice, um, yeah, it would have been um, regarding a team member. Yeah. Um, when they had a fully booked clientele. Yeah. Guaranteeing clients. Um, everyone was telling me, take them on. They're a superstar. Yeah, and I I didn't because culturally they were wrong for the company. Yep. Um, Just done. So once again, money, forget it. Culture is more important. Yeah. Piece of advice. Um, for my dad, he always just says to me, "Go with your gut feeling." Yeah, go with your gut. That's it. I love that. That's good. It's simple. I mean, it's it's very simple, but it, it, for me, you know deep down how you're feeling. Yeah. About having someone, having someone say that to you it gives you the confidence almost to to, to, to get to go with it because they're saying what you're thinking is correct mm-hmm. so believe it i think that's when we question things too much yeah i always say like you've got the two little things on your shoulder you've got the devil and then you've got the little angel and actually you've always that little person in your head sometimes telling you yeah and i think that that feeling that you get i think you should always go with it because it's always been the one that i've always had the best the best results of 
And when I've gone against it, poof, yeah, that's a bad thing. Always, you always, and also you, you regret it and you resent it. Yeah, uh, a little thing happens, then you blame it straight away, mm-hmm. and then that resentment builds up, builds up, builds up, yeah. and that's not healthy for yourself, for a team member, or anyone because it's just yeah. you blame yourself really, but you take it out on somebody else, and it's just it's not healthy. It's not good. No, not at all. What's the first thing you do in the morning and the last thing you do before you go to bed? In the morning, uh, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Normally they jump on me in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I normally have a shower in the morning. I normally have a shower in the morning with the kids. I have a bath yeah. together with the kids every morning. Yeah. That's what I do at night. Um, as bad as it sounds, check my phone probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, gonna, it's amazing how many people do that. And I'm like, and I've got this real big thing about sleep. Yeah. So sleep is something that we're, we're discussing over the coming weeks. And I've got all these like different things. And I'm like, people with phones are bed. Turn them off. Don't worry. I, I love to stay. I go upstairs, you know, um, talk to my partner, you know, say I love her, talk, give her a kiss and go to sleep. But actually, it's check my phones, check emails, check WhatsApp. <laughs> go Forty. You're a busy yeah, man. Really sleep better. Very bad. Uh, and what's uh, what's one thing you uh, can't live without? Uh, my kids. Well done. Excellent. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. I've, do you know I've been really shocked. I've had people that go, oh, "My phone," and I've looked at them and gone. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. Family. family. Kids and family, yeah. <laughs> and where, what do you think is a, a rule that if you could create a rule that we should all maybe abide by, what do you think? What would that be, do you think? Um, I'll probably go for an old-fashioned one, you know, treat people as you treat yourself. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be it. That's something that I try and think, you know, in the business. Um if I was in that team member's point of view, going through what they're going through, or um, you know, let's be, let's be a, a black and white. You know, I'll do the kids drop in the morning, school in the morning, mm-hmm. and if the teacher says to me, "Joe, you've got quick time for quick chat," you've got to say yes. Like you have to speak to the teacher about your child. So talk to the child. You then leave there ten minutes late. You're stressed out. You're rushing to work. You're calling the phone on your phone, which is illegal. You know, saying I'm running late. My first client. Yeah. Run for the salon door. And then you're stressed out, run behind, let everyone down. You know, so as a sound owner, understand that. Don't give them a rollicking for being late. You let them sort of like take it easy and just don't, t- don't, don't tell them off for that because we're all in the same boat. And yeah. happens to me, happens to my team. So if they say, problem with the children, bus is late, the chances are if they're good people, they're telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to employ people and manage people how we are ourselves and yeah. understand our lives, same as their lives, same thing. You can't have double standards. Don't sweat the small stuff. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, I love that. So Joe, where can people find you on socials? Uh, Give you a shout out. Yeah, it's at Joe Hemmings Hair. At Joe Hemmings Hair. So you heard it here today. The amazing Joe Hemmings from Blog Salons in Bristol. Uh, I feel like there's a part two coming here, Joe. I'd love to, yeah, it'd be great, I'd love so to. I, I, I think it's one of those. Um, Thanks for being here today. Uh, Thank you for listening to the show and we will catch up with you very, very soon.